You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Tim E. Shaw, famous for those wonderful phrases, but I know you want more. And as we head into the book of Galatians for the next five weeks, that is the central theme of the entire book. But I know you want more. You see, the uniqueness of the gospel is, as we see in this book, that it is one of the great apologetics, one of the great defences of the New Testament concept. And wasn't it great to hear from Craig tonight because he just summed it up so well as far as his mission over there and the differences between uh, our religion and the religions of Islam and and of Hinduism. Uh, The uniqueness of the gospel that says that a person is right with God by faith alone. And one of the challenges for us, one of the challenges for Paul's audience when he's writing back then, is he says, but I know you want more. It's so difficult for us to grasp, and we're always wanting more. We're always wanting to do better. We're always wanting to add things to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's part of the challenge. We, we come to a message like this tonight. We come to a book like this. It says we're saved uh, by faith, not by works, and we say, yep, we know that. We've got that. I know what the gospel is. You see, we, the whole premise of this series is going to be this, that we live around the truth of the gospel, but to some degree, whether you're a Christian or not, we don't get it. We don't get it. And so the key to continual renewal and spiritual growth, as uh, Martin Luther put it, was to constantly preach and teach and re-preach the gospel to our very hearts. Uh, We don't get it. And so the way we don't get it, it's lived out in the implications of our lives and and, and how we live that gospel. That's what we're going to go through for the next five to six weeks. If you want to turn your Bibles with you to, surprise, surprise, the book of Galatians, we're going to start from chapter 1. It's going to be a new process for me here too over these coming weeks where we read it out of the Bible or we simply just go through these key sections and seek not to, uh, to try and make it a topical type thing but simply see what the Word of God has to say to us. Tonight I'm going to read from verses 3 through to 12. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to, to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of of our God and Father, to whom be the glory for ever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be eternally condemned. As we've already said So now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be eternally condemned. Now, am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If if I was still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Amen. We have all sorts of different forms of communication and they warrant different sorts of ways that we kick off our various letters. If you're on the Twitter sphere, you've got to be really quick and efficient. Sometimes if you're writing an important letter, then there's going to be a dear so-and-so. Normally I get away with just a hey, comma, move forward. That's what Paul was doing in this letter. It was really unique in his, his salutation as he was writing to the church in Galatia. Paul always had these wonderful thanksgivings. He was so thankful for them and he would let them know just how loved they were, but not in this letter. 
not in this letter. Look how he, he, gets, he gets straight into it. And he says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ. There's a great sense of urgency. There's a great desperation to write to these people. There's an issue. There's a problem going on. And Paul had a great sense of urgency, three things that he was addressing. First of all, there was a racial disunity in the churches there. There was tensions between the Jews and the Gentiles. And then the reason for that cultural division was that they were confused about the nature of the gospel. And so we're here tonight that the central theme of this first part of Galatians was that a different gospel is no gospel at all. And this different gospel was what was causing this tension. They weren't living out the implications for the gospel. But the funny thing is, the most overlooked part about it is that Paul... Paul in detail, um, he draws out what the gospel is and how it changes our lives. And here's the most surprising thing. Paul's not writing to those heathens, to those ones that uh, aren't doing the church thing. Paul's writing to Christians. And part of the challenge is in our day and age, we can think that the gospel is just the ABCs of Christianity. It's, that's the baby doctrines that you learn, right? That's, that's the simple stuff that you learn and you've got to learn that you're justified by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And, and then we progress on to more serious doctrine. But, but, but Paul's saying, no, the, 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 this is not just about the ABCs. The gospel's not just the ABCs, the entrance into the kingdom. The gospel's actually the A to Z of the Christian life. It, it affects every part of the life. Now, why the urgency? Have you guys ever seen that movie Gallipoli, the 1981 version that uh, the Australian Peter Weir, great director, and uh, that incredible scene where Frank at the very end has been given the orders uh, for the diggers not to, not to um, advance over the trenches into the Turkish fire and he's desperately running through the trenches and he's out of breath and he's desperately, desperately carrying this piece of paper that is the final order from the generals to say that they don't have to advance and as he gets up there and he's rounding the last corners through the trenches, he hears that terrible sound of the final whistle as the Australians are ordered back over the top of the trenches, absolutely obliterated. You see, why the sense of urgency? Uh, Frankie had a message that was of life or death. Paul says the gospel is that. The gospel is a message. The gospel is the most important message in the world, the the most important one that the the world could have ever received. And he outlines it in verses 3 to 6, what it is. "Grace Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Here we go. Why, why is it important to rescue us from the present evil age? He's saying that we need to be rescued. And then he, he says here, you know, that, that Jesus was the one who made a sacrifice for us. That was what was done and that God had accepted his work uh, by raising him from the dead. That's the basics of the gospel. When we ask, what is the gospel? That we need rescue, that Jesus made a sacrifice for it, that God honoured that, he accepted that. And then finally we see that he does it because of his free grace. It's not because of anything we ever did. That's the basics of it. Now, funny thing is there's lots of ways to look at that. Now, have you guys ever had those, uh, those rulers when you're in primary school and it would have some funky picture of a windsurfer because you know, windsurfing used to be a really cool sport once and you would... Uh, <laughs> You would have, the, and it was a ruler that had these funny little plastic ridges along it. And, and if, if, you, if you twisted it either way, the picture would change or it would be a different type of picture, depending on how much you twisted it. You've had some of that, right? Yeah, I'm seeing lots of nods. Everyone's had one of those rulers. They're awesome. Care Bears was another good one. <laughs> um, when answering the question, what is the gospel, what I, what I want to share with you guys tonight is when we look through the book of Galatians, we're going to see that the gospel has lots of different forms. If I was to say to you that the gospel is that Jesus came to earth, became, God became flesh, he came to earth, he lived, he breathed, he died, he rose again, 
Would you say that's a fair assessment of the gospel? If I said that, that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation because of the one who had no sin became sin for us on the cross, would you say that's the gospel? Yeah. If I said to you that, that repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, would that be the gospel? Yeah, well, that was the gospel that Jesus preached in, in, in Matthew chapter 4. We see that. What we're seeing here is we can't argue against those. And, and like, like the triune God himself, there's actually three ways or perspectives in which we can answer the question, what is the gospel? You see, there's a Christ-focused gospel. There's an identity-focused gospel. And there's a kingdom-focused gospel. And so what would the emphasis, what would the overflow of the emphasis on these different things be? You see, a Christ-focused gospel stresses all that Jesus did and what he came to do for us and that he really existed and he, he entered this world and he did his work and he died on the cross. And, and, and those that have got a problem with this relativistic society and all the different views that we've got, they're the ones that would sort of stress that sort of gospel. And you've seen that in the churches that point fingers and, and go crazy. It's all, about, you've just, it's all about doctrine. And church is a bit, bit dry and it's, it's, nothing, it's, it's all about doctrine. They only, only overemphasize that one or two key truths, but they think that things like the kingdom and identity are these sort of liberal, far-off, different ideas. On the other hand, those that stress the identity and that you're a kid of the king and this new life that God brings into you and all the blessings of that whole new life, uh, their problem is this sort of legalistic and fundamental nature of the society around us, and they speak into that, but then it's at the expense of, of the doctrines of our own sin and the way that Christ paid for that. The, 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 uh, they emphasize that at the expense of the role that you've got to play in the kingdom that is coming and will come and is not yet imperfect. See what I'm saying? And then on the kingdom side, they're the ones that stress the reversal of society's uh, values by this new community that's coming to play and this new creation that's happening and the way that you can be caught up in that and the, how wonderful that is. But it's done at, at the expense of the other two. You see, there are three different types of perspectives. And so what we see here is when... Look, let me show you what I'm talking about. Listen to how three key commentators define what the problem in the Galatian church was. John Stott says that it was a doctrinal problem, that they were adding to the universally reaching work of Jesus. Another commentator, Jack Miller, says it's an identity problem, that the Galatians didn't understand their identity in Christ, and so they were going back to legalistic tendencies. And then Harvey Korn says that it was a kingdom problem, that there was this racial disunity amongst them all and that they didn't understand their equality in this new creation that is the kingdom. There was a lack of table fellowship between Jew and Gentile. How can three world-renowned commentators all come up with three different answers for what the problem was in the Galatian church? Christ focus, identity focus, kingdom focus. So it's, it's, it's what we're saying here is that when we ask what is the gospel, there are a number of perspectives. They're not just part of the gospel, but they're inextricably linked to each other. And so, in short, um, each of those different parts leads you into another one. If, 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 if Christ really is king, then, then salvation had to be from grace. He's the only one that could ever give to us. And we move back into the, the, the Christ focus from a kingdom perspective. You see what I'm saying? Three different perspectives. Look. Let me just get the brass tacks. What it means is how will you guys read Galatians over these coming five weeks? And I hope that you do read Galatians. How will you read it? Will you read it from the Christ perspective or the identity perspective or the kingdom perspective? And here's my tip. If you're reading it over the coming three weeks, grab out three different coloured highlighters and, and highlight the sections of the book that correspond to those different perspectives. But what's the perspective that we're going to focus on tonight? 
Ultimately, we're still going to read the book of Galatians as Paul's defense of the gospel of free grace against winning God's favor by human accomplishments. That's what the issue was. And so what he says that a different gospel is none at all. Listen to what he says in verses 6 through to 7. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you. And then he says, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul says that they're turning to another, another gospel, a different gospel. How? As we saw before, it's, it's Tim Shaw, it's Demtel Christianity. <laughs> but you want more. You see, he had a problem with the, the Judaizers. They were Jewish Christians who were insisting that these new Gentiles, non-Jews coming into the church, had to subscribe to all their different laws and their traditions and their customs in order to be right with God. And Paul writes, yeah, that, that is, that, that's not just... Uh, a little off the mark. That's a total perversion of the gospel. You're perverting the gospel. Now, when we think of the word pervert, we're thinking of all sorts of weird connotations. What it literally means in the Greek was to, to turn it around. It meant it, 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 what, what he's saying here is that if you add anything to, to Jesus Christ, grace plus something else as a requirement for your acceptance with God, you're not only just watering down the gospel, you're making it totally null and void. I call it the instant scratchy principle. I mean, imagine if you had a million dollar instant scratchy and you've, you've scratched, not that I scratch instant scratchies, by the way, I just see them at the news agent, but um, imagine if you take the instant scratchy and you see the prize there, there's a million bucks sitting right there in your hand, but scratchies always had, uh, at least back in the, in the day when I saw them, a little, a little further scratchy panel that said void if removed. You see, you could have the most precious prize in your hand, but if you go scratching at that panel, it's void if it's instant scratching principle. What, what he's saying is you go scratching around and you, you turn the order of the gospel around, then it's totally upside down. What order? He's saying there's an order to it. It's like back in the uh, Old Testament and the way that Israel came to be saved, there was the promise to Abraham and then they were delivered out of a slavery. And if you've seen the Prince of Egypt in the animated film, that's where they got the idea from, is that you sort of... They go through the Red Sea and they're delivered and out of slavery and then they go up to the mountain and then God delivers the law. There's an order to it. Because God doesn't say, here's the law, obey this, and then, then I might think about parting the Red Sea for you. You see, Israel were to obey because they were saved. They don't obey to get saved. And that is the order of the gospel. God's already saved you. And so therefore, obedience to the laws of God are not a condition of our relationships to him, but a response, a response to his saving work. We obey because we're saved. We don't obey in order to get saved. Now, can you see, well, look, why is it so easy that we drift from the gospel? I mean, it's, it, 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 it's always teetering on the brink of going one way or the other. It's because we as humans are in just, we're inherently legalistic we can't help ourselves. That's why Tim Shaw can say, I know you want more. We always want to scratch the panel off. You know, if you go and say to a kid, don't, don't, don't go and look at that. Don't go and look over in that hole there. A kid's going to run over there and take a look. We just, we can't help ourselves. And part of the other reason is that, is that grace seems too good to be true. <laughs> Free grace seems too good to be true. That was part of the problem with the Jews is that they're saying, all these Gentiles who live in all these debauched lives out there get to come in and participate in the community of God like this? That's not fair. See, grace is always unfair from a human perspective. 
Haven't you ever experienced that when you've seen other Christians in your life? I remember talking to a kid at high school and he said, here's one question to me was, Sam, how is it fair that I go to church and I read my Bible and all those other kids out there that are running a crazy life get to call themselves Christians? Grace is unfair from a human perspective. That was the issue. And so the question is, how do we add to the gospel today? You see, there are some churches that say that you're saved by grace, but you've got to do all this good stuff. You've got to obey, and they'll be the ones to quick to hunt you down to tell you that you're doing the wrong thing or you're living a life that's not up to their standards. Then there's the other ones that say you're not saved by a right belief, but just because you know, you're a good person and, God, hey, God loves everyone. Look, it doesn't matter what Jesus did on the cross as long as love and all the virtuous things of life, you're that sort of person. And you see, see what both of those things do? They totally take away the, from the work of Jesus and place the emphasis back on what you can do to be right with God. Didn't Craig say that about every other religion over there? They've got to work himself up, up to God. God comes to us in the person of Jesus. And so the irony is that the gospel message, by its nature, cannot be changed even the slightest bit. Like a vacuum. A vacuum's got no air in it. The minute the tiniest little bit of air gets, it's not a 98% vacuum. And the minute you get something in that, it's not a vacuum at all. It's the same with the gospel. A different gospel's no gospel at all. And so then we also see that a dis- different gospel leads to a world of pain. And I mean that in the colloquial sense, you know, sort of WWF type world of, world of pain, if you know what I mean. It's... Uh, What he's saying here from uh, verses 8 through to 10, he's saying, but even if we or an angel from heaven should uh, preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be eternally condemned. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be eternally condemned. You think Paul's just using soft sort of language there? Eternally condemned? (laughs) Ouch. What what is he's pretty clear? What he's saying, Paul's saying a different gospel leads to condemnation. Now you hear that, and you think Paul's got his big stick out again. Uh, condemnation. Here we go. That sort of language. And look for for teachers, it's it's a it's a it's a really important lesson. Paul puts him in that that path himself. He literally says, even if an angel came down here and preached to you that you can make your way to God by being good then he's saying even let the angel be condemned. He's saying there's no higher authority than the message that he received from Jesus himself, not made up by man, that you're right with God by faith alone. And so teachers have got to be especially careful about what they're preaching and how they're preaching. But most importantly, it also means you need to think about the gospel that you hear. It means... You need to be discerning about what you're reading and go back to the Bible as the benchmark and go back to Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Go back to Luther's book, which gave birth to the very part of the Christian faith that we're part of now, Protestantism. And read it for yourself. We've got the privilege to do that in this day and age. But either way, Paul's saying it's extremely important to know the truth of the gospel. Why? It's the Gallipoli principle. It's a matter of life and death. Paul's saying this is a matter of life and death. If you muck around with this, there's eternal... Destiny's at stake here. And so does that mean, well, do I have to continue to fear if I've drifted from the gospel? I mean, do we walk out of here and think, man, I'm drifting from the gospel. Am I, am I condemned? Look, it's, it's condemnation not in the sense that, that Paul or God, for that matter, is waving a big stick at you tonight. It's more like a parent that says, don't do that or you're going to hurt yourself. Don't drift away from this. You're going to hurt. Don't walk across the road while cars are going across there because you're going to hurt yourself. What he's saying is that God has so set the order of his universe in place that to drift from the gospel is in one sense not to be condemned but to condemn ourselves. 
we're the ones who choose to go and live a life other than the one that God has planned for us. And that's what Paul's saying. So Paul's saying in this negative sense, all our problems in life. It's a big call from Paul and we'll expand this like. We'll expand this out in the weeks to come. What Paul is saying is that, that all our problems in life stem from a failure to live out the implications of the gospel. That is, whilst you know, to alter the gospel is to play with life or death, and so it's serious words he's saying here, but he's saying when you choose a different gospel, one that's even slightly different, fear, anxiety, guilt, all the things that bring a sense of condemnation will inevitably be attached to those other gospels. But in the positive sense, the gospel has the power to turn your life inside out, upside down, into joy and laughter and fulfillment and satisfaction. So we, we move into the condemnation if we drift from the gospel. What do you mean? Let me spell it out here. Gos- like the, go- the, gospel, the gospel that you've got to be a good person, that person fears as they near death whether or, not, whether or not their good works will ever be right enough or good enough to be with God for all eternity. They fail to see the complete work of Jesus in the gospel. The success-driven gospel that says that, 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 that God's plan is that he just wants to do nothing but bless your life and, and that if you're in a right relationship with him, then you should be seeing all these temporal blessings and overflow like that. The person like that fails to see their true identity as a child of God. They become anxious and worried and fearful about careers and about the bank balance and because all of that is a measure of the gospel that they've heard. The gospel of the person who is, is worried about what they eat or what they drink or what they wear or they've failed to trust in the ultimate provision of the God who cares even for the sparrow. And I'm being a bit cheeky there because I've used examples from three different perspectives. Christ, identity, kingdom. A different gospel causes pain because even Christians can sense this condemnation of fear and anxiety and guilt if you trust in something other than the simple truth that you're right with God by faith alone. So can you see why Paul was so serious about this sort of language? In all of this, what Paul dares to say is that not just many but all of the problems in life stem from us failing to preach the gospel into the very depths of our heart. That's what Luther discovered. And finally and quickly... We see a different gospel is no gospel at all. A different gospel leads to a world of pain that we bring the condemnation in on ourselves if we drift from it. And finally we see why? Because a different gospel deserts Jesus himself. A different gospel deserts Jesus, from Jesus himself. Verse 6, it says here, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Luther puts it a bit differently this way. He says, the way it should be read is that I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting from that Christ that called you into grace. He's saying to abandon the gospel theology, to abandon the gospel is to abandon Jesus personally. And here's why. You see, Jesus is not just the content of the gospel, he's the communicator of the gospel. Jesus is not a topic that we read through when we've got to do Bible lessons. The uniqueness of the gospel is that it's a, it's a call not just to believe propositions, but it's a call into personal relationship with God. It's not a, just a call into right doctrine and right belief, but a call into right relationship. And so how you understand gospel theology affects how you see Jesus. If you see Jesus as a teacher, then he's only ever going to be a teacher to you. If you see Jesus as a religious leader, then he's only ever going to be a religious leader to you. If you see Jesus as some sort of survivor-type 
talisman that's going to get you immunity from the tribal council in life, then you're going to, tra- you're going to treat him that way. It's the Talladega Knights principle. You know, I see Jesus as a ninja coming back to fight evil warriors. Like how you see, how you see theology affects how you see Jesus. You getting what I'm saying? That's why it's so important to understand the gospel. And that's what it is, that, that we need rescuing, that, 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 that God has broken into the world in the form of Jesus, that, that the helicopters hovered over the top of us while we're out at sea and, the, and Jesus has come down in the harness and the whole lot and he holds his hand out to us in a world that is sinking and we have the choice at that moment, do I trust in him, the hand of the rescuer, or do I trust in my flimsy surfboard, do I trust in the very thing that's sinking? And see, what's so important in that is that it's, not the, it's, it, it's never the size of your faith that counts, but it's the object of your faith that saves. And so Jesus is not just part of the context. Jesus is the rescuer. Jesus is the one who saves. That's the message of the gospel, that you need rescue, that he's came to rescue, and it's an, an infinite cost. That's what the cross is. Someone had to pay. God is not just the sort of God that when it gets to the, to the end of the world and, and for all the hardships and, and the sin and the suffering and the bad things and the injustice that's happened in this world, he's not the sort of God that's going to sit there in his judgment seat and say, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. Come on. Someone's got to pay. Someone's got to pay, and Jesus did only at the cross. Only at the cross, as we've said before, do we see both the wrath of God and the love of God kiss. It's been fulfilled in Jesus. Only did he fully receive what we deserved. And so this is as one commentator says. If you know what he has done at infinite cost to himself, he's put you in a relationship so that you'll never be rejected by him, then your motivation when you sin is not to run away from him, but to get to him. You want fellowship with him. When the thing that most assures you is the thing that most convicts you, you'll be okay. Because when you're convicted of sin in a gospel way, it doesn't drive you away from God. It drives you to God. To drift from the gospel is to drop drift from Jesus himself. How you see the gospel, you see why theology is so important? You see why sound doctrine is so important? It's not the be all and end all. It's one of three perspectives. But we have to understand it. It's, it's so easy to drift off in the other direction. So, dem tell Christianity. But wait, there's more. My question for you guys tonight is, what, what are you adding to your Christianity? What are, you, what are you adding to the gospel if you're not even a Christian? Do you feel that you need to be right first? Do you feel that you need to get your life in order? Do you feel like you need to just have everything stitched up before you can come to God? That's a different gospel. Are you perpetually beating yourself up about your sin? <laughs> Come out from the rock of condemnation. Understand that you're right and right with God. Understand your new identity in Jesus Christ. Being realigned to freedom means that we live around the truth of the gospel, but each and every day, whether you're a Christian or not, you realize you don't get it. And the key to our growth closer to him and transformation by the power of this gospel will us constantly be preaching and teaching it to our own hearts. But wait... The irony is there's not more. The gospel is not what would Jesus do. The gospel is what has Jesus done. We've been saved by the free work of Jesus. No minister, no church, no form of organized religion can get in the way of that between you and Jesus Christ tonight. I ask you, this is the gospel in a nutshell, that Christianity is the only religion in the world where you have got to work out what you're going to do 
when you realise you don't have to do anything at all. It's the only religion in the world where you've got to work out what you're going to do when you realise, when you come to realise you don't have to do anything all tonight. Are you away from God tonight? Do you, un- do you have the power of the gospel in your life tonight? Do you understand? Have you received that free gift of grace tonight? Do you understand the infinite cost? What's holding you back? A different gospel. Another os- gospel. Please, come. It's free. Christian. Demtel Christianity. What are we adding? What do we need to cut out in our lives? That's the process we're all going to go through this week in home groups, in processing, in reading through the book of Galatians together as you work through this. It's Martin Luther's book. It's the thing that gave rise to our incredible movement of Protestantism. A person is saved by faith in Jesus alone. What's that going to mean? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these are truths that seem so simple to say and roll off the tongue but so difficult to live out. So Lord, I pray tonight that we embed this into the very depths of who we are. We're going to need your help by the power of your Holy Spirit to take this deeper and deeper into our hearts. Father, there's some of us here, myself included, that needs to repent of ways in which we have not lived out the full implications of the gospel. And Lord, we need your help and your hand and your guidance to begin to bring us back in line to the freedom that we're going to explore over these next coming weeks. Lord, please help us. And so in that way, we, we just adopt a posture tonight as a community before you that is open to what you have to teach us and to mould and shape into us, Lord God. Father, we thank you for the person of Jesus, your glorious Son. We thank you for the uniqueness of the gospel, as we heard tonight amongst so many other religions around the world. May those of us that haven't experienced that in the truest sense, have an opportunity to receive that tonight through faith, like what we heard. We thank you for that. We thank you for your son. And it's in his name that we pray these things now. Amen.